March 31st, 1889. The Eiffel Tower is officially opened, making it the tallest non-cheese structure in France. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest is friend of the show, and by the time you hear this, he will be gone. Um, not De- <laughs> Greg Hutt, everyone. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> That's right. We are going to murder Greg Hutt live on the air uh, for, I mean, for, for our Patreon subscribers. <laughs> I think we can... I would be okay with putting him in the Phantom Zone, maybe. Just a little space cube <laughs> for the rest of time. I'm I'm okay with that too. Actually, I'm much better in like 2D. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's what we all aspire. You know what? To. Way better. <laughs> if I were traveling, if I were lost in space, traveling lonely and desperate, and I saw a little space cube with your face screaming on it, I don't think there's <laughs> any face I'd rather see in a, in a exactly. two-dimensional cube. Is that is that just what the Phantom Zone is? I, I think that's I how I haven't it's, seen the Superman movies. In Superman two, I think it's portrayed as a cube drifting through space with faces <laughs> screaming on the sides of it. Oh, good! The thing you want to see all the time. In you space, know what? No one can hear like, you. Yolo. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like unexplored territory. That is some existential horror that I've never really thought about. This weird, eternally drifting space cube. <laughs> that's just full of screams. A little bit of existential horror to start us off, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, also to finish us off and to carry us through yeah. every day. 2018, have... why are we bothering? <laughs> I have a cube and I must scream. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Is that Philip K? No, that's Heinlein, right? I think so. I think that's, yeah, I think that's Robert Heinlein. Zach, what do we Richard, do Was it Richard or Robert? Robert. Robert. Uh, okay. Well, this is a podcast you may have gathered that by uh, the fact that you downloaded it theoretically on a podcast app um <laughs> unless you're in the wally future and you just found an ipod with this loaded on it um jesus more existential terror <laughs> just floating around on your easy chair that's, or you are yourself not, wally and you're just that's digging not through the trash heaps that is would, probable future dystopia <laughs> horror um, I just like the idea of like finding like an original like iPod that was not connected to the internet at all with a podcast, and it's like, how did this happen? I don't. Know. <laughs> you know, it's super lucky for that movie that the piece of uh, old world media he found was Hello Dolly instead of like a shitty podcast. Like an episode of Comedy Bang Bang with Don DeMella. So he just meets Eve and he's like, send in the girls. Or it's just like a compilation of the first 10 minutes of any episode of WTF. Yeah, or a steamed hams meme. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, wait, what do what do we do on this fucking thing? Uh, on this podcast, we uh, look at an event uh, of history, we tell the real version, and then we tell the steamed hams version of what that event <laughs> in history Right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Shre- we include Shrek and fast forward any time the word B is mentioned. Um, actually, what we do. I turned 30 
not two months ago, and I have no idea what the fuck you are talking about. Get on that meme culture, Brian. I'm 32. <laughs> it's it's. I'm not 32. I'm 30 also. How have you not spent the entire year just yeah, steaming just... hands with the rest of us? Like it's yeah. it's been amazing. Steaming hands and. Uh, retweeting the worst people. I don't know. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to start the description over. <laughs> um, <laughs> on this podcast, we look at an event or person from history. We tell the true version uh, of that person or event as the man would like you to believe it is so. <laughs> and then uh, we also tell you an alternate and perhaps even more accurate version of that person or events history and at the end we vote on what is the real history of the world going forward because we have determined ourselves the victors and therefore can write the history books (laughs) we have never wanted anything so we're compensating by just pretending we did it's the donald trump method (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah hell yeah i've never felt more qualified to be unqualified like (laughs) to be right now great yeah i mean this is tied with 2018 other years as the best year to be a mediocre white man (laughs) yeah my year (laughs) uh anyways last uh last episode you might remember we discussed one mr roger casement uh humanitarian rights activist and early uh irish independence activist and we ultimately decided that Byron F. Graham's alternate history, in which he was the last of the changelings, uh, <laughs> Disney's least successful 80s live-action movie, um, was the true history. Uh, the Germans, I think, were goblins or something like that. It, mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, it Go back and listen to it. It was a very uh, David Bowie labyrinth kind of steel and babies situation. <laughs> oh, the one reference point for stealing babies. Um, <laughs> That's the only, yeah, the only time babies the... have ever been stolen in history. Yeah, the, yeah. the whole Lindbergh. Or Fuck like you, the... Lindbergh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Brian beat me to it. Hell yeah, Google call lag. <laughs> um, well, uh, this week we are discussing Woodrow oh, Wilson. Oh, that's my job. This yeah. week we're discussing Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, president of these United States during the First World War. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Brian is presenting the true account of yes, indeed. President Wilson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Greg, you are, you're presenting the alternate, correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Oh, as... He was just looming over the microphone <laughs> saying that. <laughs> Hey there, this is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. As per tradition, let us begin with the true history of Woodrow Wilson. Brian, take it away. Well, Woodrow Wilson was born Thomas Woodrow Wilson, uh, either December 28th or December 29th. Uh, 1856. Like, his mother said he was born close to midnight, so people are just like, fuck it, we'll do both. He was born in the Woodrow Wilson Presidential Library, uh, what would later (laughs) become the Woodrow Wilson Presidential Library. What a coincidence! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... I'm I'm curious how close that is. There's a uh, Salman Rushdie story called Midnight's Children about... (laughs) 
children who were born on some day in the late 20s when India became an independent nation at exactly midnight. And I wonder if Woodrow Wilson is the lost Midnight's children. <laughs> well, the, the location out. and the time do not match at all. <laughs> yeah, and I also think it might have been the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I think the partition was the 40s, or the independence. Only 100 years off. Don't worry about it, guys. Time and space don't really exist. No, he was not born in India. He was born in Staunton, Virginia, uh, home of the American Shakespeare Center's Blackfriars Playhouse. Uh, oh. 877 <laughs> much ado. Of course. That's their actual phone number. Uh, also named one of America's best small towns by Smithsonian Magazine. Well, if the Smithsonian knows anything, they know great small towns. <laughs> so, Staunton, Virginia. Uh, get Staunton. Um, <laughs> his father could have done a couple more revisions on that uh, slogan, Staunton. <laughs> yeah. I, they had to, they just, they had to get it out there. Uh, there are, they're, they are biggest sponsors, Staunton, Virginia. Yeah. Everybody uh, else send in joke votes for Bart Simpson. So. <laughs> Staunton, Virginia, Bart Simpson. Um, it kind of works. His father, before before old Woody was born, uh, published an anti a quote anti slavery and pro tariff newspaper. But then his father and mother moved to the South in 1851. And promptly uh, started enslaving people. And they eventually, both his parents became Confederates. Uh, his father was a chaplain in the Confederate Army. And his mother was, I think, just a racist. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Amateur, not yeah. professional. <laughs> uh, she dabbled uh, what, in racism. She went to she the wanted, racist she wanted to maintain mics. Yeah, she wanted to maintain her amateur status for the racist Olympics. So. Yeah, no, yeah. like actually, open mics for racism are also just open mics for stand-up comedy. Yeah. Um, it open turns mics. out if um, you wanna if you wanna get to racist Carnegie Hall, you gotta practice, practice, practice <laughs> racism. <laughs> also, please don't. You need uh, a, t- a type five. That's yeah. <laughs> Oh goddamn! Also, I'm um, not sure exactly what the racist Carnegie Hall would be. I'm uh, sure there's Carnegie a Confederate Hall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just Carnegie <Okay>. Hall. <laughs> um, it's whatever Boston's equivalent of Carnegie Hall is. Um, so Thomas, now going by Woodrow, uh, went to the College of New Jersey, uh, which would later become Princeton, but at the time was kind of lame. It was a fine college. It wasn't just like. You know, everyone's so rock hard for Princeton now, but it wasn't like that then, basically. Yeah. Constant Princeton boners have swept the nation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They called them whipping poofs at the time, although that's a Yale thing. Um, (laughs) Well, at Princeton, he was a member of the debate and glee club. Nerd. Um, (laughs) Then he went to law school and eventually got his Ph.D., uh, becoming the only president who was also Dr. President. Dr. President. In 1883, that is that is a, an NBC show waiting to happen. Doctor President, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. That's a fucking Just, hour-long Dick Wolf drama. Let's put Chicago Doctor President. <laughs> <laughs> let's put a pin in Syria for a second. Yeah. I've got someone in the ER right now. Like yeah. it's, <laughs> Chicago Doctor President Criminal Intent. Uh, <laughs> it's the Dick Special Wolf. Victims Unit. <laughs> 
It's the Dick Wolf seven-layer dip right there. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so in 1883, he married Ellen Axon, who was an award-winning art- portrait artist. Woodrow was an automobile enthusiast. And I right now, I'm just going through a lot of biographical shit because we'll get to the dark shit later. Uh, he became a college professor, a lecturer at Cornell, Bryn Mawr, Wesleyan. He wrote a bunch. Uh, his first book uh, actually advocated changing the U.S. government from a congressional system to a parliamentary system where the president was more of a prime minister. Secret figure. red coat. Yeah. I mean, uh, another book uh, basically advanced the theme that now, the well, government should help people. Whoa. Yeah. Both yep. of which, the first one sounds especially good nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're still we're still the second off on one, that I feel helping like, people thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> the second one I feel like always should have sounded good, but yeah. uh <laughs> oh, god damn it. This was in the 1880s. Jesus. Um so later on he became president of Princeton University. Uh and when he was there he gave it a pretty good kick in the ass. Um I'm going to explain what this note means, uh, but I'm going to read it as I wrote it first. Nice. Uh, I just wrote, Jews and Catholics, exclamation point, uh, mainly because— Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of Roger and Hammerstein's less popular shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he appointed the first uh, Jewish and the first Catholic professors at Princeton University. <laughs> also, he tried to change the culture there. Make it more uh, rigorous, make the students take academia more seriously, because at the time it was considered, uh, it was called graduating with a gentleman's C, basically. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, maybe we could just make people try harder. Uh, A gentleman's C? That's literally what it said. Oh my God. uh, So, well, that sounds like some like 1910s or 1900s, like, very douchey frat bro culture slang to me. It does. It so does. <laughs> we got so drunk last night. I did a gentleman's see. I feel like frat bros throughout time have always been the worst, just in very different ways. Um, well, at least with imperialism, you'd usually just give them a uniform, send them to a place they shouldn't be, and they'd just die of malaria. Like, yeah. yeah. For us now, you just give them a toga, send them to a place they don't belong, and they die of alcohol poisoning. Uh, we'll and cut to be that. fair, nowadays, uh, I feel as though gamers and Redditors have finally taken over from jocks and frat bros as the worst. Yeah. I mean, I mean honestly, it may just be a... Three billion way tie for worst place. If they lifted more, they would definitely be there. Like, <laughs> no upper body strength. I mean, it just kind of it, it leaves you out a little bit. I mean, <laughs> so while he's president of Princeton, he has uh, his first of many strokes. It turns out he's also a very stubborn man, and this really starts coming out uh, at this point. He kind of he gets into a lot of conflicts with the board of trustees or whatever the fuck it's called and so he leaves the presidency of princeton to uh run for governor of new jersey in 1910 and he sort of he labeled himself a progressive partially because that is what he believed and partially because teddy roosevelt so popularized that movement that it sort of bolstered his uh bolstered his chances uh so he wins and he sets off on a program of like establishing free dental clinics in new jersey among other 
progressive reforms. Yeah, they got to bring that back. Like New Jersey is suffering. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I was going to say, I was going to call them to make a, I was trying to make a Bruce Springsteen pun with like tartar or like gingivitis or something. Ooh, that's rough. But I just like I got lost in that swamp real quick <laughs> uh, i was about to i was about to call him the, the england of the east and i was like that doesn't make yeah. any sense <laughs> yeah it's like tartar road there we go tartar or road. Uh, born to floss anyway um jesus uh, uh my favorite my favorite bit of legislation i don't know enough about bruce springsteen to contribute <laughs> uh to contribute to this bit I, I know about his ass in jeans with the american uh flag sticking out of it um <laughs> My favorite bit of legislation that he championed during this period is that he signed a law that prohibited what was described as the use of common drinking cups. Um, I guess because that was what people... I guess New Jersey was just like filled with backwash, I guess, and it was getting people sick. Oh, Cobb, okay. I was picturing like red solo cups and he was like oh. these fratty assholes with their gentlemen seas and their their common drinking yeah, cups. Yeah, no, that was like the original Revenge of the Nerds. He gets in and starts banning all the frat shit. I was just say, Minus like, the uncomfortable ending. Yeah. Th- this was to put a stop to the first of many herpes outbreaks that have happened yeah. in New Jersey. <laughs> of course, herpes being New Jersey's state bird. State bird. Um, tweet tweet. And flower. And, and motto and oh, song. I, the idea of herpes blooming is just <laughs> not not something that I needed in my brain right now. So he receives the Democratic nomination for president in 1912, uh, and he's really the first Southerner since the Civil War to have a decent shot at winning the presidency. So that means that a lot of a lot of older conservative Southern Democrats end up giving him their support, even though he's more progressive than they would like and a lot of younger southern democrats who are progressive are like more behind him that's sort of his base he wins of course after teddy roosevelt and taft split the republican vote and so he but brian president i'm sorry brian uh i thought third parties were the only way to save this nation and not an impossible <laughs> dream in the way our uh, our current electoral <laughs> system is set up <laughs> Even when the most popular man in America starts one of those third parties. <laughs> I mean, if that wasn't proof enough, I don't know what was to anyone. Um, I mean, I feel like... Ironically, this- ironically, I feel like if his parliamentary system had gone forward, he might have lost this presidency. Yeah, that honestly would have been the case. Teddy Roosevelt probably would have become president again. But... He becomes president, and I'm just going to go over some of his domestic and foreign policy before we get to World War One, and then going to close on uh, his attitudes on race and gender. Because I used Woodrow Wilson used to be one of my favorite presidents, and then once I started sort of learning more about his positions on those matters, he slipped pretty well in those rankings. So in foreign policy, he advocates a system of what's called Wilsonianism. <laughs> Where it's, Na- it's like the dorkiest yeah, political no. philosophy of all time. <laughs> yeah, no, it was sorry, it was called Cougar Town. That's what it was. <laughs> he called it that to really sell it. Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, Wilsonianism was uh, the idea that, in regards to your neighbors, uh, your your countries that border you, you should look over a fence, but never expose your entire face. <laughs> I mean, in a in a way, yes, but in a 
larger, more accurate way. No. Um, it was. I'm just saying, Home advocated. Improvement was a lot smarter than you guys thought. <laughs> Some real next level I, shit going that's on. That's a sentence that has never been spoken. Al represented the EU. Like, yeah. oh my. You actually remember fucking characters' names? Jesus. Oh hell! Oh, oh, remember them? <laughs> They're imprinted on my soul. Okay. <laughs> I just gotta say, what could po- Wilsonianism advocates for? Uh, democracy and capitalism abroad. It's against isolation and pro-interventionism, which sort of leads to what uh, Wikipedia terms the banana wars. Uh, <laughs> that also sounds like a frat bro thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, no, that's that's what they called sword fighting back in the day. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which the was, swords are not literal swords in no. this case, listener. Uh, the banana wars. They sort of. They started in 1912, really, under Taft, but Wilson really uh, gets him going, which the U.S. Army ends up carrying out operations in the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Mexico, Haiti, and Honduras under Wilson's watch, uh, basically to ensure the stability of U.S. companies working in those countries. Um, That kind of stuff continued for a long time, well into the... At least the 50s with the Guatemalan kind of overthrow, yeah. which is an interesting topic we may cover at a later date. It's great yeah. how we just pound freedom into people around the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. This was not freedom, my friend. This was <laughs> corporatism <laughs> at its finest. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what we call freedom. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, on the presidency, uh, Wilson described it as an office, quote, in which a man must put on his war paint, uh, which he took to mean becoming more of a stubborn asshole. He did. Uh, he lowered tariffs and oversaw the creation of the federal income tax, passed a lot of antitrust measures, created the Federal Reserve, outlawed child labor. So on a lot of economic issues, he was a very strong progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't drink and himself. I feel, oh, and I feel, uh, I'm sure you'll go into it more, but... I think his international ideas, for the most part, were also very sound and strong. Mm. Well, uh, on another social issue of the day, uh, prohibition, Wilson himself was sober but wet uh, in that he was not dry. I don't, I don't know why I wrote that down. Um, he, uh, yeah, he it was opposed- it was mostly confusing because I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> Uh, what I mean is Woodrow Wilson was super wet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) why am I not? Okay. Um, it's the middle of the afternoon and I just took a vitamin B, so I'm a little rowdy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) step away from the B12, Brian, you've had enough. I'll tell you what I've had enough. Uh, anyway, speaking of prohibition, uh, he opposed it mainly because he felt it was By the way, we did just uh, we did just say the word B, so speed up your podcast by <laughs> two times. If you haven't already. Um, he vetoed a law that was intended to uh, enforce the provisions of the 19th Amendment, which was the or the 18th Amendment, which was prohibition. Uh, but Congress overrode the veto, so prohibition came into effect under his watch. Uh, and then in 1914, his wife Ellen passed away. Uh, and in 1915, he married uh, Edith Bowling, who would become a major figure later on. Edith was like the sexiest name in 1915. Like it, it doesn't oh. translate to now, but yeah, no, Edith was the um, 
I don't know a sexy name right now. Edith was the Brian Can't. of 1915. <laughs> that doesn't. That's oh Jesus. Um, oh, we got to step well, that. What back. did I say? Um, <laughs> is this how we get things edited out? And we just say that. Maybe <laughs> is it Kaylee or I don't know? Have, have the Bellas grow? Are, are they? Have they overtaken? I mean, I I also realized I was immediately uncomfortable with that line of discussion. Um, so he made his own name, the sexiest name yeah, of all time. I mean, there we are. Exactly. My name, the sexiest thing about me. When World War I broke out, he took a, posi- a neutral position, though privately he was against Germany, and he feared that the war would throw, would throw the world back three or four centuries. Of course, there's the sinking of the Lusitania, which we discussed, and the Zimmerman telegram, which I was an intercepted communication between Germany and Mexico, where Germany offered to help Mexico reconquer all the territory it lost to the U.S. in the Mexican-American yeah. War. Uh, if Briefly Mexico... alluded to in our Lusitania episode as well. Yes. Uh, if Mexico entered the war on the German side against the Allies, um, and that building up the U.S.'s entry into World War I, although Wilson ran... Uh, for re-election in 1916 on the slogan, he kept us out of war. Well, knowing full well all this was probably going to go down real bad. Um, (laughs) It was a very close election. He won New Hampshire by only 56 votes. But uh, so it was really, it was really contested. And so when his opponent conceded and Wilson received the concession telegram, uh, he remarked, quote, it was a little moth-eaten when it got here. Uh, and then he promptly got us into war because he is a raging asshole. <laughs> so the war happens, as we'll discuss in other uh, arenas. But where Wilson really comes to the fore is negotiating the Treaty of Versailles after the war and his famous 14 points, which includes most famously the League of Nations, uh, which was a proto-UN. Uh, and the Republican-controlled Congress was firmly against it because they, for all the reasons Republicans throw a hissy fit about the UN now, basically. Um, And his 14 points uh, included the idea that overt harshness uh, towards Germany in this treaty might have bad repercussions down the line. It was roundly ignored by the other countries. (laughs) To no ill effect. It all worked out. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we we just call it the Great War. (laughs) The war that ended all wars. The war that ended all wars, yes. Um, So he is sort of barnstorming the country, trying to get the people on his side for uh, the League of Nations, uh, believing that if a majority of the people support it, Congress will then support it, because he was also incredibly naive. Well, he is on uh, on this tour that he... Collapses in Pueblo, Colorado. Big ups. Um, <laughs> Pueblo, Colorado. Not the first person, not the last person. <laughs> My favorite, yeah, uh, yeah. some fun facts about Pueblo, Colorado, which is near where we all uh, grew up and lived for a long time. Yeah. Um, one, the, <laughs> the, the, the shitty, uh, whatever, Randy Quaid character in Vacation, his home was filmed in Pueblo, Colorado uh, to be the most unappealing place. And also, serial killer Edmund Kemper, uh, after he realized the law was on his tail, fled from California, got to Pueblo, Colorado, called the police and turned himself in. (laughs) Presumably because he was like, well, prison is better than this. Yep. (laughs) 
I have uh, a number of friends who live in Pueblo who do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> had. Yeah, had. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Edmund Kemper also decapitated his own mother, and even Pueblo was too much for him. Yeah. <laughs> really beautiful town, though. Uh, so after just after he- just just twenty miles from the supermax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, although very nearby, uh, the New Mexico border. So go check that out. Um, Escape. And get some superior green chili in New Mexico. <laughs> I am just alienating everyone in southern Colorado. Fighting words, Flynn. That's yeah, what we exactly. call him. That's what they, yeah, no, they don't call me avoid conflict, Flynn. Um, <laughs> I actually learned that uh, there's a separate maximum security prison near Pueblo in Canyon City. And mm-hmm. I learned recently that the man who killed Jeffrey Dahmer is in that prison. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, is it like the country club supermax? Like they're like, you did great at the other supermaxes. <laughs> Listen, I mean, if you're gonna kill an inmate at a prison, Jeffrey Dahmer is like, no one's gonna get too upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> so he collapses in Pueblo, and then a few days later suffers a debilitating stroke. Uh, he's left basically bedridden uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, but he still has two years left on his presidency. Uh, his wife, Edith. They called uh, they called Woodrow Wilson the Pebble Beach of Presidents because he had so many strokes. <laughs> 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 oh, that's going in his library birthplace. Um, <laughs> so his wife, Edith, and the members of his cabinet really ran the show after that. Edith's... Uh, being a woman who was exerting power was treated negatively for this. And I feel like a lot of contemporary discussion of Wilson's stroke and uh, his life afterward focuses on her taking the reins of power rather yeah. than her I, I feel, uh, helping to coordinate things and doing the best she can in a tough circumstance. And I do feel I, I've seen some some articles and uh, his like historical documentaries and one episode of Drunk History, refer to her as the <laughs> the first female president. Yeah, so, totally. That's yeah. not a totally unreasonable characterization. Um, yeah. We had, so, a, we had a tough time in the first half of the 20th century with, like, presidents with, like, debilitating illnesses. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, t- uh, to be fair, uh, all of humanity had a tough time in the first half of the 20th century <laughs> and all time before that. Yep. With debilitating illnesses. It's <laughs> a good point. That was just like, they're like, oh, they're relatively healthy. He can't feel his legs, but he's fine. Like, I mean, <laughs> it, it got so bad, we elected an Irishman president. Ooh, um, ooh, ooh. So he dies eventually. But uh, over, over the course of his presidency, two great social issues really confront the nation. Uh, one is women's suffrage, uh, which when he took office, he didn't support national women's suffrage. Uh, he supported it on a state-by-state basis uh, until he was sure that uh, Northern Democrats were behind it. And once New York uh, overwhelmingly voted in favor of women's suffrage, then he started supporting it. Uh, I, he, I he, get the vibe that this was uh, – I would almost describe it as – and you could say this – not. I, I would say Clintonian, but you could say sort of Obama-ish because of his – the way he handled gay marriage uh, – where he privately probably supported it and then waited until politically the atmosphere was right before openly. 
coming out for it. That might be fair. I'm, I mean, I can't speak for like how Wilson felt privately. Um, yeah. But I think that's a fair characterization. So brave. Yeah. <laughs> so brave. Oh yeah. Of, of course, the lion of democracy. Um, <laughs> that's how you like. If you want to, if you want to catch the wave and surf, you wait till the surf, like the wave actually passes you, and then you get up. You know. The, um, I will just mention this group, and I think I want to talk about them in more depth in a future episode because their story is really interesting. Uh, there's a group of women called the Silent Sentinels, uh, which is awesome name it's kind of a great name uh, it was about 2,000 women who protested silently in front of the white house uh six days a week between january 9th of 1917 and june 4th of 1919 um and we'll talk about them in more depth later on but uh the other the other issue was of course uh racial segregation and wilson uh issued an order that segregated federal workplaces um, some government offices went so far as to put up screens between white and black workers. The House of Representatives, which sort of was also the city government of Washington, D.C., made interracial marriage a felony in D.C., and uh, Wilson didn't do anything, uh, didn't come out against that. Also at this time, it became required for applicants for federal jobs to submit photographs uh, of, their, of themselves. At this time, three really prominent civil rights leaders, uh, William Trotter, Marcus Garvey, and W.E.B. Du Bois, they were the people who were really standing up to Wilson on this matter. And Wilson had won the African-American vote because he basically convinced people that he would be a stronger president in terms of racial justice uh, instead of a racist. Of course, so the African-American community felt very betrayed. Um, wow, who could have ever uh, guessed that from a guy yeah. born on a slave plantation? Yeah, who could have guessed that from the U.S. government <laughs> right. uh, at any time? Being the U.S. president, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, at, especially at this time, but even now, it's kind of a matter of, like, all of these fuckers are going to screw us. Which is the least likely to screw us or who will screw us the yeah. least is probably that's, the calculus going on. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. William Trotter was a <laughs> co-founder of the Niagara Movement, which eventually became the NAACP. And Trotter was at a White House meeting where he confronted Wilson. And Wilson said that the segregation wasn't discrimination against African-Americans. He said it was just there to help avoid uh, what he called friction. And Trotter <laughs> uh, started some real friction after that. He called bullshit. Uh, there was a screaming match, and Wilson kicked him out of the White House. And then Trotter proceeded to give an account of the meeting to the press, which more than anything infuriated Wilson, who was a very, like, private person who, like, very – he considered everything he said publicly before he said it. So that sort of ended the relationship between Wilson and civil rights leaders after that. And that's the actual history of Thomas Woodrow Wilson. Every week, Denver's own Real Nerds Podcast sees a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you man. know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or we're on Stitcher so they could find a place where you can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. Kind of creepy when people talk about friction a lot. Like, <laughs> it's like that's going to cause 
friction. And it's like, I mean, oh. when you say it like that, yes, very much. <laughs> Look, that's basically anything, though. I mean, if you <laughs> if you say creepy, it becomes creepy. But I'm just trying to. I feel like there's an innate creepiness to talking about <laughs> to the friction. Talking about friction, sure, yeah. Friction. Uh, but Greg, whenever you're ready. All right. Well, uh, you know that uh, true history is interesting and all, but. Uh, I like to think that the fake history, or as I'd like to call it, the better history, <laughs> is going to take the day. Uh, so uh, let's get down to it. We have uh, Thomas Woodrow Wilson, uh, which everyone calls him Woodrow now, but let's focus on his actual name, Thomas mm. Wilson. Uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys know uh, famous uh, Thomas Wilsons that are alive now, right? Any of you guys know Tom Wilson? Is he one of the Beach Boys? Uh, he is. He is not. He played uh, Biff in oh, uh, yes. great, great American uh, played, documentary Back to the played, Future. Played uh, the coach on Freaks and Geeks later. Now he, oh, I believe, yeah. occasionally does comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Uh, he does like uh, like a musical. He do, he like plays his guitar a little bit of musical comedy. Stand-up. Yeah, he has a he has a stand up comedy song called. Something like, please stop asking about Back to the Future or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a pretty good song, and it, it mean, explains a, everything. That's either a comedy song or the world's saddest song. Like, it's, that's it's his, both. That's his <laughs> piano man. Like, he's so sick of doing that. Well, it's, I, I think he wrote that because he was so sick of the conversation. <laughs> but he also had, like, a, uh, he had like a little uh, business card that he would give out that also had... Uh, all the answers to uh, normal questions people would ask him, okay. which is, yeah. I mean, I think also, it's a great way. Yeah. Also, famously, the first person to portray President Trump in a film. So, <laughs> right. Really? Crushed it. Crushed it. Well, not exactly. Oh, the alternate it. Uh, it. Yeah, future of Back to the Future 2. Yeah. See, that's what's kind of funny is, like, people look at, at Woodrow Wilson, and they think he was some, like, nerdy intellectual type uh, but what people don't realize is tom wilson the actor based his portrayal uh of biff tannen on his great grandfather thomas woodrow wilson who like everyone didn't Ooh. know was really just like the biffiest biff of all biffs like <laughs> really incredible uh he was the one who uh who told the kaiser <laughs> make like a tree and get out of here <laughs> it was right it was incredible <laughs> it's yeah, he just went around. It was the originally world called the sixteen points, but Marty McFly ran over the 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 last <laughs> point, and they had to rename it the fifth, the fourteen points. God damn it! The one point twenty one gigawatts of points. It was uh, yeah, it was amazing. That's so a, yeah. that's a Twin Pines Mall reference for all you <laughs> Back to the Future heads out there. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, go. I'm no. just I'm dying of consumption. Sorry. <laughs> How very historical of you. That's, for, well, for, look, if yeah, I'm going to die for, of something, it's going to be amazing. For the highest <laughs> level of accuracy, we are recording this podcast in 1960. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way to do it. I feel a little bit of polio coming on. Let me get to the rest of this. Yeah, we make everyone get syphilis before they start recording this podcast. But it's funny. It's like nobody... So nobody knows. Like, everyone sees this, this boring... Uh, I mean, honestly, like, if you see a picture of Woodrow Wilson, what does he look like? Uh, he... I mean, that looks means? sort of like a lizard. Yeah. <laughs> he has he has lizard-like features. That but like short. a boring lizard. Yeah, like a very dry lizard. It sort of looks... He To me, he always looks like an anthropomorphic version of the color beige. Like, that's yep. just... He just kind of came like, to yeah. life. Like, just the most boring-looking like guy. 
a, a, a grandpa who's like, we used to use the belt in my day. Oh, like, <laughs> Yeah, and he's also racist. Yeah, so, yeah, just like that grandpa. Like, incredibly proud of it, too. Like, <laughs> the good old days of leather on butts. You oh, know, like, <laughs> no. No, that kind no. of grandpa. Yeah, First I think all, that was his campaign you can, slogan. You can still do leather on butts at Romantics. Romantics. Colfax in Washington. And online. I didn't know you guys got a got a sponsor. That's fucking. Great. I'm just trying to backdoor these sponsors. No, we're just right a, now. we're just yeah, backdoor back back these sponsorships. Yeah, way to go, way to go. <laughs> so uh, right, what we got? Uh, so uh, looking at Wilson, like it's funny. Like everyone looks at him and they're like, "Look at this nerd!" Right? Look at this. Look at this human. Just nothing, right? But it's like, <laughs> that is, if you think about it, that always makes the best criminals, right? Mm-hmm. It's like not the best criminal sidekicks. Criminal sidekicks need to have like cool scars or, you know, be like really big or, yeah. I don't know, something weird, right? <laughs> something weird. Yeah. Missing half Teeth their face. Teeth out of metal. Exactly. Yeah. Teeth out of metal. I mean, that's like, that's a great sidekick fucking, or no, it, not sidekick. Henchman, right? That's a great henchman move. Exactly. So, Thank yeah. you. I re- I appreciate you changing it. But if you look at the boss, it's like the boss always looks pretty, like you know, average, right? Mm-hmm. Like because he's the guy. Like everyone underestimated him, and that's how we got to the top. Uh, and so what we had, like we had Thomas Woodrow Wilson, and he was like, he was like Tom, you know, Tom. Tom's not going to work. Like he's he's like because he he was into too much stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. What everyone doesn't realize is like if you look at like the Kennedys, right? The Kennedys were built on a on a family fortune, uh, based out of bootlegging, right, and uh, <laughs> basically gangster shit, right? Yeah. Like that's most of the U.S. is is just gangster shit. Woodrow, <laughs> Woodrow Wilson, definitely one of the biggest gangsters. Uh, he was the governor of New Jersey, and it's like New Jersey hasn't changed. Like yes, that's no. <laughs> if you say governor of New Jersey, there's a certain expectation that it means that someone. Yeah, yeah. The New Jersey state flag, I believe, is just a Nike tracksuit. Absolutely. Absolutely. You go, you go to you go to New Jersey in 1900, and it's just Jersey Shore, but the situation is looking for that gentleman C. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that C stands for coitus. Um, getting down, which actually is kind of funny because that is exactly how. Thomas Woodrow Wilson made his money, right? Like, uh, everyone looks at him, they go, oh, he was the president of Princeton. What people don't realize, uh, Princeton didn't exist. Not really. <laughs> like, for a long time. Oh, it's like a Trump University situation. Exactly. It was masquerading as a university, but it was really just a high-priced call-girl service. <laughs> All right. But because Woodrow so Wilson. How elaborate. Oh, he was truly. I mean, it, this guy, look, he was smart. All right. <laughs> like, he wasn't a total dummy. So he was like, I need a great front for this. Now, he was progressive because everyone thinks, you know, Woodrow Wilson, very progressive. And that's true. He did not just have ladies of the night. He also had men of the night. Right. <laughs> he was not discriminatory. Uh, he believed in inequality. Sorry, you said inequity. men of the night. I just thought about Dracula's. Men of the That's right. It was all vampires and prostitutes it was an amazing place uh i think that's actually still pretty pretty on uh on brand for princeton actually that's, that's right about there they have spoken like a true yaley <laughs> that's exactly you know i never went there but i always wanted to so i just hold on you just really bought into the fucking beef i got a big y for yale just tattooed on the center of my chest then i went to the university of nebraska a, and it's it's been horrible what a fucking 
Among the Ivy Leagues, the insults to your rival colleges must be so lame if they are, oh, Princeton, they're all vampires over there. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even, they have nothing for Penn. Like, they're just like, ah, God, I forgot you were here. They just forget. Yeah, they're just. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they keep uh, mixing them up with Penn State, so they're just like, yeah, oh, oh, well, you're yeah. over there with Sandusky, and they're like, guys, we're in the, we're in the Ivy League. We're, we're the, we're the other one. <laughs> Interview really with are. a vampire. Brown? We call that the Princeton application process. <laughs> 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 so yeah, for Woodrow Wilson, I mean, he, uh, you know, that's that's how he got his start. That's how he built his power base. You know, it's like everyone looks at they, you, you think of it. It's kind of weird. It's like Princeton and Ivy League in New Jersey. You know, it just doesn't quite match up. Right. Like I always think of the Ivy League is as much more like New England kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, Princeton was there for a reason. You know, think about what was close by. You guys seen Boardwalk Empire? I have not. Uh, I've seen the first three or so seasons. Okay, <laughs> all right. No, it's easy. You've seen a little bit. I mean, that's that's the thing. He was basically it was him and Nucky Thompson just going <laughs> head to head. Like it's uh, is that Steve Buscemi? That is Steve yes. Buscemi. Okay. Correct. Absolutely. Buscemi, by the way. Please Buscemi. respect the nine eleven hero, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> is it is it Buscemi? I believe is it, it is. Yeah. Buscemi. Oh, yeah. my apologies. My apologies to genuine hero Steve Buscemi. <laughs> it's like every every single Italian thing. I, I you think you pronounce it correctly? Yeah. You are totally wrong. Like, I'm sorry, Steve Bruschetta. Um, <laughs> biscotti, actually, yeah. you know, it's pronounced cookie. You sorry, know? Stromboli Biscotti. <laughs> right. We just I don't know. We we offended someone there. Absolutely, no way around it. Gabagool. Gabagool. Uh, Gabagool. And so yeah, he uh, you know he he uh, he turned all that. You know, it was it was his large experience running one of the the biggest cat houses on the East Coast uh, that allowed him to uh, to rise to the rank of president, right? And everyone looks at World War One and they they look at it as uh, you know he didn't want to get in, he didn't want to get in. This was really just him trying to expand his business east, right? He wanted to bring some of the the thunder from. Uh, down under. Well, yeah, yeah. Over, over, under. Yeah. Is that, is that, oh, no. That's oh, that I don't even know what that is. The, 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 bring the noise. <laughs> it, was, it was his bring the noise campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and by noise, he meant prostitutes. So that was uh, that's what old Woodrow was up to. Uh, so uh, yeah, equality in iniquity uh, under Woodrow Wilson. That's actually a great slogan. I think it's fantastic. For a villain. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's the the real history of uh, oh. of Woody Wilson. Oh, of course, that explains it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, mm. before we get to uh, before we get to judgment, uh, I want to remind listeners that it's so helpful to us if you were to a write a review of this podcast on your listening service of choice, be it Stitcher or iTunes or what have you. Uh, it helps more people see the show and blah blah blah. Uh, we always, of course, ask that you ask us, leave us comments, ask us questions. Uh, you can do that on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages, or at revisionistpodcast.com. And also, just a quick reminder, we are a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network. Uh, so, Greg, you are uh, leaving the country soon. Yes, um, indeed. And it's always, it's been great having you here I think you were our second here. or third guest on the on this program. Not, you? you were you were you were like in the 
I think it was episode 12, because it was a Viking episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mistake. Yeah. That um, was fun. It was a lot of, lot of cocaine and uh, dance parties, I remember. It was, yeah, and then we started the podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what like, is he just played? He just played an air instrument that doesn't exist. Yeah, I, it was like half trombone, half kazoo. Uh it was a it was a Zubone. I need I needed to Zubone also was offered at uh, Wilson's uh, Cat House of Choices. <laughs> and amazing, a lot of extra. Oh god! Um, but you are going to be resettling uh, in uh, Gay Paris, uh, oh, Paris, yes, France, uh, land of milk and honey. Um, <laughs> And yeah. I know cheese is stinky, just like the people. <laughs> I don't know why that's a thing, but yeah. it is. Like, <laughs> no, that's bringing uh, it full circle to Brian's opening joke about the Eiffel Tower. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, uh, but I, for our two or three listeners in Paris, uh, bonjour. Also, check out Greg uh, when he sets up shop there. And I'm uh, I'm sorry to those two or three listeners for that uh, that French impersonation uh, that in no way reflects uh, Greg Hug Comedy uh, trademark uh, 2004. <laughs> uh, Zach, uh, do you want to speak about Stage of Fools? Uh, yeah, I do a podcast with uh, my girlfriend slash person I now live with, Shannon Camp, about the E Television uh, Network series Stage of Fools. Mm-hmm. which is based on uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet updated for modern millennial teens. Uh, <laughs> um, that is, and then it stopped an being about Hamlet and now it's just a soap opera and everything about it is bad, but we still watch it. And I think this is the last season. So get on the ship before it sinks. <laughs> <laughs> just throw some Snapchat at them. They'll be yeah. happy. You know, <laughs> um, as for me, uh, I'll be performing. No, wait. This episode will be out after this. Uh, I'll be performing in an old library basement way, in Fort Collins. <laughs> by the way, I just want to say this. The other day, I saw my girlfriend's mother. We went to the March for Our Lives uh, mm-hmm. together. Um, but she told me on the way back that she was considering listening to this podcast. And I was like, I wanted to say, don't do that. But that seems uh, almost more suspicious. It does. So if you are listening, Angie, hello? Sorry? (laughs) Oh, I I love the optimism thinking she got all the way to this point in the podcast. (laughs) I'm sorry if things are weird at Easter. If you're not talking to me, I understand why. (laughs) She's like, I got to that idiot talking about prostitutes and I turned off. (laughs) This is not the worst episode for her to have dropped in on. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'll uh, clean up my act, I promise. (laughs) Uh, hello, mothers of all sorts. Um, so, <laughs> where the fuck was I'm going to cut this out. But uh, I believe that brings us to Judgment, Zach, which falls to you this episode. Oh, right. Um, so, here's the thing. I have somewhat mixed feelings about Woodrow Wilson like Brian. I think in some regards, uh, there are certain areas where he is one of the best presidents in American history. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... Uh, there are 
his international policy and some of his domestic policy, his antitrust activities, there are areas where at a glance, it's not hard to say, oh, he's one of the best presidents in American history. And then you dig in a little deeper and you see he had these problematic, at best they could be described as cautious, but caution is not an excuse for moral cowardice. Mm-hmm. attitudes towards race and gender. Um, and so it's a very difficult area to talk about because there is greatness and then there is problematicness mixed in. And rather than face the reality of life in which things are not <laughs> black and white, I'd rather just talk about some bullshit that didn't happen, like a fanfic I read online. Because I'm uh, <laughs> mentally weak, and I live in the year 2018. <laughs> so for that reason, I'm going to go back with the to the mentally history. weak cast. Yeah! <laughs> oh yeah, President Biff! <laughs> President Biff's granddad! Yeah! <laughs> well, listeners, uh, voting is now open. Um, but, Greg, thank you for being here. Thank you. Zach, thank you as always. Of course. For everyone here at The Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. Uh, Good night, Angie. (laughs) Good night. Have a good time. (laughs) Have a good time, guys. Good times.